Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. Wow, I just kind of lunged at the mic. We've been spending... <laughs> um, we weren't here last week because I was over in the villages packing up my mother to send her up north. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I guess yesterday, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday I talked to my brother Chris. And um, they're in Massachusetts, of course. And everyone and anyone who is listening in Massachusetts or New Jersey or New York can relate. Connecticut, Rhode Island can relate relate to this time of year. Even in North Carolina, it's beautiful. You have yeah. all the windows open. Yeah, it's and nice. A, it's not a, so hot anymore. And there's a cool breeze, and it's a nice, crisp-smelling, nice breeze. Yeah, and the evenings <laughs> get kind of chilly, and then, ba-bam, right. you get hit with the cold in a few weeks. And um, Not something that I look forward to. That's why I decided I wanted to stay in Florida as much as I could. No, I think I think I think our guest just called the show oh, phone cool. instead of calling. Uh, so, oh, um, you're going to tell anyway, him? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll get with him. Uh, so anyway, I guess she was telling Chris, you need to close the windows. It's cold. And he's like, what are you going to do when it's 13 below? Ooh. Coming from Florida to Massachusetts. Yeah, she's Massachusetts. not used to it. No, she's been down here. Does she go up there in the winter at all anymore? Um, yes, but, you know, a, a moment. Yeah. You know. Oh, I know. When you you always have in the back of your mind, well, I can always go back to Florida when it starts getting too much. You know, it's not just the cold for me. It's the darkness and the, you know, the always raining, snowing. Yeah. Kind of miserable, dreary, drizzly. Dark at at four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah. To me, that's very depressing. I don't like winter. I'm not a winter person. I don't ski. You know, I grew up in the mountains. I don't ski. You know, the amount of, well, I, I, okay, awesome. I I used to... um, I used to ski, and and now that I'm down here, the, the the many years that I've lived down here, I don't like winter either, and it's 65. Yeah, I know. We know? get mad if it gets yeah. below 60. Really mad. Yeah. Okay, well, we've been waiting for um, – we were supposed to have this guest on last week, but like I said, I had to redirect, and he finally called in. Hi, Arnie. Are you there? Hi, Ray. Thanks for having me on. Hey, th- thanks for being here. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, read something a little bit here. It says Arnie and Sheila Wexler have provided extensive training on compulsive problem in underage gambling to more than forty thousand gaming employees, which includes personnel and executives, and have written responsible gaming programs for major gaming companies. I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. In addition, they have worked with gaming boards and regulators presented educational workshops nationally and internationally and have provided expert witness testimony. Arnie placed his last bet on 41068. Wow. That's a long time that's a, in that's, recovery. That's a long time in recovery. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Now, let, let me ask you real quick. Oh, and you also wrote a book, All Bets Are Off. Correct. And when, when was that that you wrote that you wrote the book? Is this recent or is this? Uh... Well, it's very interesting. I tried to do a book for the last thirty-five years, 
and we could never get a publisher. I had two different professional writers, actually three, and we just couldn't get it done. And I did a workshop foundation network in San Diego about four years ago, and a guy sitting in the audience had lunch with me and said, I'm a publisher. I'd like to do a book. Have you ever thought about doing a book? Hmm. And it's now well, in print printing. Wow. Nice. So you, so you kind of like already had it ready to go when this gentleman approached you. Not really. I had the idea, but I never wrote okay. anything. We never put anything together. We just wanted to do it. Was that a difficult process to do? Not really, because Steve Jacobson approached me. He used to write for Newsday. He covered okay. the Yankees and the Mets. And yeah. he also approached me about the same time that the publisher grabbed a hold of me and said, I'd love to do a book with you. Steve heard me speak at a seminar 20 years previous. And he's a professional writer, and he wrote the book, actually. Cool. Cool. Now, now it says here that, um, you know, you, you placed your last bet in 1968. And while, while we were waiting to come on the air, I was reading, I was reading over your, uh, the different things that you do, you know, the educational things that you do for employees and stuff like that of gaming organizations. Do you walk back into casinos or do you do this off, quote unquote, campus from a casino? Well, it's very interesting because I never gambled in a casino. They weren't around when I stopped gambling. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Years later, I can't watch a horse race on TV, or when they show the feature race during the news, I could get palpitations, so I have to shut it off. So I can't wow. go into a really. Racetrack. Can you go uh, into a casino though? The thing is, I've been in a lot of casinos since we've done trainings, and it never affected me. Thank God. Well, that's good. What um, now? Now it's you know. It's funny you say that because. When I, I watched this special, it was on PBS or something like that, one of the uh, nonprofit stations, and it was about gambling. And they showed a, it was like a, a movie of a gambler, and they had him, it was like a think tank type thing, and they had him wired up with, uh, with a heart monitor, and um, they would give him a track report or they would give him something and he would look at it and they and you could notice that all of the all of his um his his blood pressure his heart rate all of that stuff started going up and all he had to do was pick up the receiver of a phone and say uh whatever in the fifth and it would all just ease back down again so I so I get what you're saying about you can't watch a horse race, but how sad is it that you couldn't watch the Triple Crown this year? <laughs> well, it's not sad at all because that you know you're going to laugh because I tell you a story about the Triple Crown. In 1963, I believe we got married, and I had bet a horse called Sherlock. My wife's name was Cheryl, Sheila. And mm -hmm. I saw the horse run at the Kentucky. It was going to go in the Kentucky Derby. So it ran in the Kentucky Derby, and I had a $200 bet on it. And it ran in the Belmont Stakes, and I had a $400 bet on it. <laughs> and then we went on our honeymoon in Bermuda, and the Belmont Stakes happened, and the horse won and paid $132. So you can just imagine what happened wow. to our my head with the honeymoon. Yeah. So yeah. the first the first or second day on the honeymoon in Bermuda, I envisioned in my mind that I lost this bet, 
and the honeymoon was basically over. The other thing that happened was even crazier. On the uh, hotel lobby was uh, a jar of jelly beans, and you could win a free trip to New York. Yeah. And the first three days, I spent more time at the jelly bean jar than my wife in the honeymoon. Wow, isn't that isn't it crazy how addiction can get you like that? I mean, the my obsession. yeah, my um, my addiction was was uh, was heroin, but. You know, it, you can you you can relate to staring at a bowl of jelly beans, trying to make a correct bet, and spending you know your whole day doing that. Where I was running around doing what I needed to do to get more myself. You know, it's 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 startling how different the uh, obsession is, but really, it's one and the same. Well, I spent a lot of time running around trying to get, get money to gamble every day. Right. So I understand that piece about that. My wife ran a 100-bed drug, alcohol, and gambling treatment center in New Jersey for about 10 years. So I understand that, too. And I also have a daughter who, at 15, was put in treatment because of her drugs and drinking. And at 20, she was five years clean, and then she decided she could do it on her own. And she's now 54 years old, and she's finally clean in the last three or four months. Awesome, though. I mean, she's clean, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's we got to give her all the love and support that we can, you know. And which reminds me, I, I was reading something today, and there is, I took a snapshot of it just so I wouldn't forget it. Uh, there is a an author out there called David Sheff. S-H-E-F-F, and it says, don't give up hope on someone you love. When someone we love is ill, we don't judge them. We don't blame them and insist on their contrition. We look at them with compassion and love and do everything we can to help them get better. You know, far too many people out there are too willing to judge and too willing to throw away their loved ones who are, for lack of a better word, broken. Um, and I commend your daughter for her stick to to, you know, make it for, you know, for the past three months. And hopefully, you know, with, with all of our support, she'll keep on keeping on, you know. Well, I've got to well, tell you, I, I really. Addiction. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I understand addiction so I could be like that, and my wife ran a treatment center so she could be like that. And when I first came to recovery from my gambling, my wife was not a happy camper, and it took me, <laughs> it took her a couple of years till she started to understand what you're talking about now. Right. I really appreciated you including her perspective in your book. Uh, I my part in the show is being the family member who's been affected by someone else's addiction, and I I really really like the fact that that she's in the book almost as much as you are, you know, telling her side of it and how it affected her and your she family. She lived it, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, yes. You're gonna laugh at this one, but uh, all the years I've been in recovery, it took me about. Two years to understand that I hurt her and the damage I did when I went to an open meeting and I heard another lady speak about her husband and her, her life, then I finally got it. But also when I read all these years later, which was about three years ago when we published the book, and I read Sheila's story in there, and by the way, that's the only book that I know of where a spouse of a gambler shares her story. 
Mm-hmm. So I read Sheila's story, and I couldn't read more than a page at a time. I was totally washed out from it and crying. Mm. Well, at least you, you know, you have gotten to the point where you can have compassion and empathy for what she went through. You know, I, I always say addiction is kind of a, a selfish disease. Yeah, yeah it, it does because yeah, it you've got to work through your stuff sides, too. Yeah. You know, I think you have to work through your stuff first before you can start looking at the damage that's been done. Now, in in 1968, there really couldn't have been too much Gamblers Anonymous going on. So, how did you how did you embrace your newly found um, recovery? Like, did you did you go to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and just like substitute the word for gambling oh, okay. or? It's a very interesting story. I was working in a factory. I was a plant manager, and they brought in a guy to work with me, and I had heard he was a millionaire. So mm-hmm. I befriended the guy in the midst of my gambling, and Jerry and I became very good friends. And at one point, about six months down the road, I told Jerry that I owed three years annual salary, and if somebody would help me pay that off, I could stop gambling. And Jerry said to me, there's a place called, there's a place uh, a 12-step program for compulsive gambling. He said, you go there because they'll be able to help you. So for three weeks, I conned him and said, I'm busy. I can't go. I can't go. (laughs) And he said, one day, they straighten out money problems. So I thought that meant that they were going to pay off my gambling debt. So I decided to go to a meeting. So that was April 12, 1968. And And then I went there three weeks without my wife, and without uh, giving a fake, uh, a real name and a phone number, because in those days there were no cell phones. The only number was in my house, and right. I surely didn't want my wife to pick it up when somebody said, I'm, I'm trying to help Arnie, I'm in a 12-step program. So I never said anything. And then the third week they said to me, they'll give, you, they'll give me what they call a pressure relief meeting. A pressure relief meeting is basically a budget. So they said, if you bring your wife, you can get it. So I was sure that's where they give you the money. So <laughs> I went home and told my wife, and, and we came to, I'm laughing myself, and we came to the meeting. And at the meeting, they looked at all the money I owed and everything else, and they said, you need two more jobs. I thought these people were going to bail me out, and now they're telling me two more jobs. So mm-hmm. I was not a happy camper, and I had no intention to stop gambling at that time because all I came was for a bailout, which they didn't give me. So on April 10th, I placed my last bet, and since then, I've been clean. Now that's, that's, that's an awesome story, you know, and it's funny because there are so many stories out there where we fool ourselves into recovery. You know, like I blindly exactly probably walked. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and thank God that we did. You know, um, because we're here today to talk about it, and and you have a longevity of of recovery that that you know surpasses many in any aspect of of recovery, and uh, you know, so it's great to hear that the madness was just as alive then as it is today, and the people who are. Uh, still out there actively using and and if there's somebody out there that's that's listening that that thinks that you know there's 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 no hope there's no just listen to Arnie's story and and listen to what he shared about his daughter I mean she struggled for a long 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 time and and now she's clean five years 
Yeah, and well, and now she's and now she's and on the right path. She she did alcohol, drugs, men, motorcycles, gambling, and food. She did life. Yeah, she did. She did them all. <laughs> she did life. And yeah. I, I am sure, as her parents, that must have been so difficult for you all, especially you knowing, you yeah. know, all you have to do is get it. Well, yeah, but you can't make someone else and, do it. Ray, at what times that? I threw in the towel, and I wouldn't even want to talk to her for, for a couple of months at a time. Oh, I get it. And then she seemed yeah, yeah. like she was doing good, and on and off. You know, I was going to Al-Anon, and it saved my life, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I get it, yeah. because that's what that's what my family had to do to me. They had to love me from a distance, you know, and, and I, I used that as a, a badge of uh, emotional terrorism for a long time, but... Um, you know, I get it, and I wouldn't be here today if my family didn't do what they did for me. In turn, what you did for your daughter, you, you, uh, you know, when when families do that, like what I read, I said, you know, we need to love, but it doesn't mean that we need to embrace what they're doing. We don't doesn't mean that we need to um, keep propping them up and dusting them off. We need to let them live their life the way that they live it, and we're here for them to love them when when they need it. And, you know, I think that in a lot of cases, either we love them up too much so they stay out there too long or we neglect them too much and they stay out there because of the because of the neglect. No, no, no. You're blaming it on the family now. No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not blaming it on the family at all. Um, And we've been through that a lot of years with her. And then she had a child and my grandson, Jake. We took to live with us when he was 12 years old because we saw what she was doing with her life and he was being affected by the drug dealers and all the other stuff that was happening. So Sheila and I took Jake to live with us between age 12 and 18 and his father was an addicted person and so was his mother, our daughter. So of course he ended up with problems and we put him into a treatment center and he's okay now and he's back living with us again at age 22. Amazing. Awesome. Well, you know something? We need to go to break right now, Arnie. So um, hang on the line. If somebody wants to call in and ask a question, dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent 
inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back. We have our guest, Arnie Wexler, on the line, um, recovering gambling addict. Uh, his last bet was 41068. I was nine. Yeah, I was going to say, that's 50 years. That's yeah, absolutely I, I amazing. Nine. 50 years of helping people. Still with us, Arnie? Hmm. Did we lose him? Oh, there you yeah. are. Hi. Hi. Do uh, do me do me a favor, Annie, and, and tell us a little bit about your uh, national helpline, that eight 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 last bet. What is uh, how long has that well, been around, Bill and, and I how many developed a helpline where we could help people and direct them to treatment and to Gamblers Anonymous and Gammonon. So the number is eight 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 last bet, and uh, actually, what had happened was in nineteen eighty six. I became the executive director of National of New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling, and I held uh-huh. that job until 1994 when I was out at a seminar, and all of a sudden I started to get pains in my chest. I ended up in the hospital, and Sheila was working 24 hours a day with people in treatment and calls, and it was just a real hectic life we were living. And we decided right. to pack it in, move into a 600-square-foot bungalow, quit our jobs and travel around the country doing workshops <laughs> and seminars on gambling and gambling addiction and recovery. And we've been to Japan, we've been to Sweden, we've been to Canada, we've been to Norway, we've been to Iceland. So we've had a, uh, we've had a very interesting life since 1996. Now, are you, are you still doing that now? You still actively yes. doing... 
actually, I have to cancel something that I'm leaving. I'm supposed to be leaving Thursday for Cleveland to go to the GA hospital and to uh, go to a 12-step retreat weekend, which we were supposed to lead the weekend. And I have to cancel that tomorrow. Right. Oh, right. yeah, because she's ill. We have, I hope yeah, she gets better. Doing, the end of October, we're doing something in West Virginia. Now, um, in West Virginia. How, how, did, how do you get your, how would someone get your schedule if they wanted to go? Are these private um, conferences that you're going to, or are these like where you could share your schedule and someone could go just listen to you speak of gambling? Or is it like at colleges and universities and hospitals and stuff? Well, I've spoken in many colleges throughout the country also, but some of the things are private things. Like in West Virginia, you can only go to the seminar in West Virginia because it's through the West Virginia Council on Gambling, and you've got to be somebody who has called their helpline in the last year for help. In, in Cleveland, it's the VA hospital, so that's private operation. And then mm-hmm. we're doing the 12-step program. Anybody could probably walk into that one, I guess. How would someone find out where you were? Like if you if they were in the West Virginia area or wherever it is, do you have a website with all of your uh, where you will be um, conferences? Or like how can somebody find out what your well, schedule is? I don't really put it up there, but I could tell you they could always call me at 888-LAST-BED. They can okay. email me at aswexler at aol.com. And I just started a couple of weeks ago on uh, on Facebook, uh, gambler, uh, compulsive gamblers and recovery, compulsive Compuls- gambling and recovery. I got uh, 980 people already on that site. Okay, well you'll have 982 because we're going to join you right now. And what what I'll do is I'll Great. what I'll do is I'll send you the link to this, and uh, you can put it up on that Facebook page as well, so people can. And I, and I would do can, that, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, by all means, people can hear your show. Plus, it gives us a little drag too. Now, um, this eight 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 last bet. Does that go right to a phone in your house? Does it? So you're the people that man it, or is it is it at a call station now? Well, what happens when you call that number? They'll give you give you my private number in my house, and I'll pick it up, or my cell phone, I should say. Oh, okay, okay. And then somebody can find out what your schedule is, or how can someone uh, find your book? It's in Amazon, and it's in uh, uh, Barnes & Noble. Nice, and you've you hit the big to, time. You can go to the computer and find it if you just punch in all bets are off and see Arnie Wexler. Yeah. I found it on Amazon. Now, I how, like the cover. How did, um, is, how did, did that make you feel? Did send you a book? Uh, no. He was supposed to. I'm surprised. Yeah, no, I know. I, I saw the email. That's okay. Uh, it's, it's all good. Um... We're here now. We're talking about it, so it's all good. Um, what was I going to say? How did it make you feel? Like when you walk into, say, any random Barnes and Noble, you go to West Virginia, and you walk into Barnes and Noble, and your book is on the shelf. Like that must give you chills after you know living the life that you lived and sharing your story, and here's your story laying on a shelf in West Virginia or laying on a shelf in, in Barnes & Noble in Japan even? 
That's a very interesting question, and you're right. It gives you a little high, but the real high you get is the emails and the calls I get from people all over the world. I got one this morning from somebody actually in West Virginia. Uh, I get them from Japan. I get them from Europe. I get them from South Africa. I mean, it blows my mind. We sit and read some of these things that people post up there. It's unbelievable. In fact, on the page I just told you about, people are posting about the book. I like the book. It was it was heartrending, but you know, I like a happy ending too. And again, I say I I did enjoy your wife's perspective, and I, you know, I was kind of surprised because you started this very very young. Well, you know, 96% of all male compulsive gamblers start the age, start uh, in teen, teen, teenage years or younger. But the, the females start later. The female And the females are basically, most of them, I'm not saying all of them, most of them are slot players and casino gamblers, but not table game yeah. gamblers. Yeah. There are a few yeah. table game gamblers from females and sports bettors which are females, but for the most part, they're machine players. Yeah, no, that's I, can, true. I can see that. Yeah. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, I know that, a few people yeah. that I think, well, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want to you know, call yeah, no, out anybody. That, but. that makes sense because you walk through an average because, you know, even just the, the two we have here, like, you know, the, the Hard Rock one over down, down there where you live in Boca and uh, was that in Hollywood, right? And yeah. then the one over in Tampa, you walk through there. And I, well, I lived in I lived in Vegas for thirteen to fifteen months, redoing their um, communication systems and all of the in all of the casinos. And you're right. I mean, you don't see many women at the table. At the table, I would find them, them very the, yeah. intimidating. But the, yeah. the slots, you can stand there and nobody bothers you. But I mean, addiction well, is addiction. Whether you're yes. pulling that. Males, the males are action gamblers, and the females are escape gamblers. And a lot of the female gamblers start 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and wow. they never gambled before. And all of a sudden somebody dies in their family or they lose a child or something goes wrong and they have nothing to do and they go to a casino. And if they have the gene that makes them a compulsive gambler, they're hooked. Yeah, uh, maybe they, Yeah, they've never yeah. tried it before and now they're there. And Yeah. Well, wow. you know, like I'm wondering, like, if... Um, you know, like you say, if they have the gene, you know, which which I which I totally understand, but this is just for for our conversational purposes. I am wondering if at that point, if they picked up alcohol, if you know that quote unquote gene would get the rub, or if it is a gambling gene, you know what I mean, and that's that's just for for uh, uh, use well, of conversation. Interesting things along that path. The the Parkinson's meds and restless leg syndromes, legs and Abilify are now creating compulsive gamblers. So really? apparently, it's touching the same part of the brain that the gambling is. So, I so had, you see, I had a guy I had in treatment that had a very big job out of, out of Washington. He never gambled before. No, he gambled one time in his life at the racetrack and lost $12. And then he got uh, uh, Parkinson's meds, and he blew $400,000 in a period of about a year and a half and came to treatment. When I got to treatment, I knew about the Parkinson's meds. The other people in the treatment center thought he was full of crap. 
Really? Well, you, does he have to stay on the meds, computer. though? I mean, do people need to stay on those meds for their health conditions? Or is well, there something else they could take? It, it doesn't happen from the Parkinson's meds until it goes over a certain milligrams. And oh, then okay. if they bring it down somewhat, the gambling stops. <laughs> so he to, just doesn't have the computer. urge anymore? That's, that's uh, that is just, yeah, yeah, that's what he tells me. And I'll tell you, if you go to the computer and punch in Parkinson's meds or restless mm-hmm. legs, you'll see can cause compulsive gambling, and it's even on the packaging. Oh, wow. Oh, that's that's that's, uh, that's definitely different. And you that know really I mean? could and they sneak up on you, too. And they do, yeah, right. And they don't really make that vocal, you know? I mean, you, you hear the, you know, Abilify, I've heard that commercial a lot. Yeah, where they say the side effects but it, real fast. But I, I, the side effects have never popped out saying... I've never heard no. that, but wow. So now I'm going to have to listen now next saying time. on the commercials, can cause compulsive gambling. Wow. Oh, it's just like, now, I, I guess Oxycontin can cause addiction. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You can, see well, a hundred, you can see thousands of cases, and they're being sued and all kinds of other stuff. Wow. Wow. Huh. And so, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, also, you know, like... Answering your question, I went off on a different track. But no, no, I, I'm question, glad. Yeah. Um, um, New Jersey took a survey years ago, and they found 35% of the people that had compulsive gambling also had alcoholism or vice versa. Yeah, right. So that. so it touches it doesn't it doesn't discriminate. It'll it'll take any way it can, I guess. Um, and a lot of you, people that have had let's say they go into a treatment center and they cure not cure, but they arrest their addiction to drugs or alcohol uh-huh. and they want to get some juice in their life and they start gambling they become compulsive gamblers. Right, that, oh, yeah. and that makes sense because they're just flipping their addiction, you yeah. know? Like, I know that, I know people exactly. that, That's yeah, I know people, I know people that I was in, reco- you know, like in uh, in detox with, and back when I went to detox, it was it was detox for 30 days. It wasn't, it wasn't called a rehab. It was called a detox at that time. And people would come in, uh, you know, addicted to whatever substance, but they would be leave, they'd leave, being um, uh, coffee addicts, you know what I mean, and and thirty years down the road, Cigarette. they're still, yeah, cigarettes or, or coffee food. Or a lot of people gain a, or, yeah. a lot of weight yep. because they just start eating. Yeah, it's just flipping. You just yeah. flipping your addiction. You're not healing whatever you need to heal. And you know, it's funny. I remember uh, we went to uh, a friend of ours' eleven year celebration, and we went down to. They lived in West Palm Beach. And uh, a friend of mine from Tiverton, Rhode Island, was sitting next to me, and we just celebrated this person's 11-year uh, celebration. She was heavy. She drank. She ordered two plates of food. Wow! And my friend said to me, "Is she really following the spiritual principles of our program?" You know, and I mean, granted, the the alcohol and drugs weren't destroying her life but the food sure as hell wasn't helping any yeah i mean there are all kinds of ways for a lot of years i had workaholism and i had food addiction oh yeah and how do you how do you fight all of that right especially when you have to eat like how do you how do you arrest you 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 just become a little bit more aware of what you're eating last five months i've lost 27 pounds wow good for you good for you Stop drinking soda. Uh, you know, I, 
I did that. <laughs> Not eating anything good. But now I did it again. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a lot healthier for you, carrying the food less is, weight. The food, I think, is the toughest addiction. It is. It yeah, is because, because you like have I, to eat. Yeah. Well, you have to eat, and I I um, find myself. Um, feeding myself when I don't need to because I'm just sitting in my own head or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, what do you call that? When I'm, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm eating and I don't really need to. Yeah. Bored eating, comfort eating. Yeah. Like comfort eating, you know? And, and, uh, so I've noticed that I've noticed that recently and, and my daughter is like on this crazy kick of being a vegan and, and all of that. And, you know, I, I heard on the radio that Oreos are vegan, right? And it's <laughs> oh, true. perfect. It's They're true. vegan. They're vegan. So, like, I, you know, I jokingly said to her, you know, so now I can eat a sleeve of Oreos because they're vegan. And that's just twisted thinking. I mean, you, you know, here's, here's the best a couple. Of, I'll give you a couple of cases that you'll get a better understanding of this addiction. I get a uh-huh. call one time from a lady on my 888 last bet number. She says, we're married 30 years. I had no idea my husband was a compulsive gambler. I didn't know he gambled in the 30 years we were married. All of a sudden, he got arrested by the FBI for stealing $600,000 from the insurance company he worked for. It can be Ooh. that hidden and invisible. There's no track marks. There's no dilated pupils. There's no smell. Right, it's, it's right. totally hidden and invisible. You see ladies come to work with a nice, fine dress. You see men come to work with a suit and tie. And you don't know they're compulsive gamblers. If they were alcoholics or drug addicts, you would see some signs. They'd pass out. They'd fall down. They'd smell. You right. Or, the, or you would see that, you, you know, the physical deterioration, deterior, deteriorating, you know, like and they would stop wearing their suit and come in with jeans or, you know, whatever. I, I mean, I totally get it. And you're 100 percent correct. I mean, a gambler um, never shows any signs of wear other than probably, you know, the nervousness of or the weight of the the action that they're carrying. Like you said, you you owed three years salary, and um, I'm sure that was taking some type of a toll on your physical and mental being at the time. You well, know, so also um, very well, superstitious people too. Right. I'll give you a, a classic example on this one. I went to the racetrack on Monday night wearing a beige pair of pants. And I won money, so I knew the pants were lucky, and they were my lucky pants. And I wore them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I wore them four days in a row, and they were really dirty at this point. (laughs) And my wife said, you can't wear them tonight. You're going to the track with my father. They're disgusting. They're all dirty already. But I had won four nights in a row. So I was not happy about not wearing those pants on the fifth night. Mm-hmm. So I left the pants home and I lost, and I blame my wife because I wasn't wearing my lucky pants anymore. Right. Well, that's that's almost that's almost like me, where I was ready to go to a break. So I'll just end with this. That's like me. I put on a pair of pants when I was nineteen years old, and I changed them when I was twenty-eight. <laughs> so they were my they were my lucky pants, but <laughs> they were also all that I had. So we'll be back in a moment. Dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792.
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? There are those who can and those who can learn. Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives, and once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health and Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We got the Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, and we're back at Miracles in Recovery at the Miracles in Recovery Radio Show, and we have Arnie Wexler on the line. Uh, he is the author of All Bets Are Off: Losers, Liars, and Recovery from Gambling Addiction. So that's a that's a big title. But you know something? We were talking we were talking uh, during the break about um, legal gambling in the state of New Jersey now. Um, what have you seen since, I mean, I know that, you know, they had the, the OTB and the, you know, the off track betting in, uh, in New York, but have you noticed a rise in, um, popularity of gambling? Are there gambling houses jumping up all over the place there? Well, the real, the real thing that New Jersey did, they put internet gambling in a couple of years back and they just started sports betting a couple of months ago. 
and the places are being flooded. There's lines and lines of people trying to get into play sports betting. And we won't see them reaching out for help until about a year or two. After two years, you'll, be, you'll have so many sports bettors looking for help that you won't be able to get a seat in the Gamblers Anonymous meeting. Right. You know, and, and I had said that um, they, were, they were proposing a casino in the city that I grew up in, in uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts. And there was a concern that even even the people that were in recovery, say from alcoholism or, you know, would go into the casino and start acting out on their addiction, you probably lose a certain percentage of people that are doing the right thing, finally, um, because you're introducing a different obsession, a different addiction. And like you said, it, it, it won't start showing its ugly head or the damage of, it, of, of what it's doing for a couple of years. You know, let, me, let me try to tell you the way I see sports betting. you got people that would never bet with a bookmaker, do anything illegal. And there's a percentage of people like that. Now you open up sports betting, and you got everybody and anybody can go in and legally make a sports bet. Mm-hmm. Some of those people, maybe 60, 70, 80 years old, never gambled before because they never had the opportunity to gamble and they just didn't gamble. And if they have that gene and they start betting on sports, they're going to get addicted. So you're going to see a nice group of people that are going to look look for help. It it almost seems like it's an addiction of opportunity because, you know, I grew up in the state of North Carolina. There was never any game. Heck, you you had a hard time buying alcohol. There weren't any streetlights. Never mind. Yeah, well, yeah, but... The first casino, where did it go? Right next to my hometown in Cherokee. But then, you know, they, they opened Harrah's, and, yeah, there are a lot of people with right. problems. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, the alcohol was the same thing. They tried to keep it out, tried to keep it out, tried to keep it out, and they did for a long time. I mean, people found it anyway. I guess they made moonshine. But, right. you know, now that you can buy it legally, I'm sh- quite sure there are a lot more people that are doing it than there used to be. And it, it almost seems to me like these these type of things – Everybody knows that there are a certain percentage of the population that are going to really hurt themselves. And yet, oh, it's a given. Yeah, yeah, and yet it's allowed anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I even the lottery point. to me seems like gambling. I have friends that, yeah. that are real obsessed with it and spend a lot of money and, you know, have certain combinations of numbers that they have to play all the time. It's weird. Well, when I was with the council on New, Jer- New Jersey, we did a survey with Gallup, and two of the questions we asked were this, have you ever played illegal numbers? 31% said yes. Do you play legal lottery? 81% said yes. Wow. Right. And, you know, that's, that's what's happened with these kind of things. And, and 100%. Gambling now where people can, they don't have to get in the car, they don't have to put gasoline in, they could mm-hmm. be in their birthday suit on their computer or on their phone right. and lose everything they have. Like we are on the radio right now. With a, do you play with a credit card? I don't even know what that is. Yeah, well, I guess you. I guess you yeah, must you buy tokens. Yeah, you play with a credit yeah. card today. Yeah, you buy tokens. Wow, that's and, so dangerous. Yeah. So dangerous. Yeah. Well, let I me ask you. Let, let's go back. Help a few weeks ago had thirty-two credit cards maxed out. Thirty-two. Wow, and they kept giving them to well, him. Here's another classic story. A guy shows up at a meeting. And he says, I sold a business, an oil business on Long Island for $14 million cash two years ago. Mm. And then we asked for his phone number, and he said it's in the pawn shop. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so sad, man. It and it it doesn't care. It'll rip through everything that you have to get to to get to get you to that point of despair. Let me let's go back to like uh, junior high school, I guess, when you maybe placed your first bet. Do you remember? Um, was there something that triggered you at that moment, or did it take a little while for you to get caught up in it? No, when I was when I was in junior high school, they used to have something called you can pick three ball players that had to get six hits, and uh-huh. you put down a dollar. You'd put down ten cents, and you could win a dollar. So that was one of my earliest bets, and then shooting marbles in the street. But here's how <laughs> oh, I got wow. Memorial Day, 1951. I was in Roosevelt Raceway in New York. I was 14 years old. I don't even know how I got in, but I got in with another girl that was 19 that was going and took me there. And I was making 50 cents an hour after school working in the garment center, and I walked out of the racetrack with $54. And I said to myself, wow, what a jerk I am to make 50 cents an hour. I could be a millionaire from gambling. And I was (laughs) at 17, I was already stealing to get stuff to support my gambling addiction. Right. And you mostly don't win. Isn't that the whole problem? Playing somebody else's game. Yeah. Well, it seems that, and that's another tricky thing, it seems like most compulsive gamblers have an early big win and they get hooked from that. Right. And mm-hmm. most normal people get a early big win and they just take home and, you know, it doesn't affect them. But yeah. the early big yeah. win is the thing that hooks the gamblers. You know, it's it's funny. I like I had said earlier in the show. I worked out in uh, Vegas for twelve to fourteen months, and you know, as a uh, recovering addict at the time, I was I was not uncomfortable around what I saw. I didn't see the gambling. I saw the despair. I didn't see the happy winners. I saw the the guy sitting on the street with his wife and their luggage and the kids and her yelling, "What are we going to do now?" You know, I saw that, and I saw the 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 the, the shady side of of casino life. So I didn't really gamble because I because I had an awareness of one who I was, and two that I didn't want to act out on anything that I knew that if I hit one big, if they if they said, <laughs> "Here's a sucker," and they gave me a they gave me a hot hand once. I, I'd probably still be out there betting now, you know. And and uh, gratefully, I saw the I saw the evil of it outside of all the sparkle, you know. And and we all well, know that I Vegas surely is understand so, that. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I had one or two drinks in my whole life, and I had one puff of a marijuana cigarette. And I, lucky that I didn't like either one of those things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 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 my, you know, like even every every once in a while, I, I um. I I see like somebody in a store and they're scratching like crazy, and there's there's that silver gray all over their sneakers, and it's like there's probably their seventy fifth ticket that they've scratched. Yeah. Why yeah. are you still scratching? You know, and and I well, and you know, I, I get is, it. That's another funny it. thing. What happened? I had never played a number. Or, you know, like lottery, which you know about as lottery, but illegal uh-huh. numbers, I had never played it. And right. I was working in a factory, and Ray, who was the guy that was collecting the numbers for the mob, said to me, how come, Lonnie, you never play a number? 
And I said, I don't know what that is. So he explained it to me. You pick three numbers. It comes out at the racetrack, the, the total mutual handle. Mm-hmm. That's how they used to do it. He says, and you could win some money. So I said, give me 527, which was the date we got married. And mm-hmm. the next day, and I forgot about it. I gave him $2. And I forgot about it. And the next day I came in, he said, come in the office. And he gave me a shoebox full of 5 and $10 bills. I had $1,000. Wow. Oh, my. Wow. So the, the next day he said, Arnie, why don't you play again? So, and this is a true story. I look in that they had what they call a dream book. So the dream book called three, two, 342. 342 was gambling. Mm-hmm. Or racetrack it was. So I played 342, and the next day I got a bag of money again. The first two times I ever played a number, I won both times. And then I started playing three and $400 a day. <laughs> and I couldn't oh, win again for the next six years. Crazy, right? Yeah. See, I think I would just walk away. You can't. You don't. You can't. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I I don't. I I played the slots in Vegas. I had twenty dollars. I won a little bit, and then my twenty dollars was gone, and the money I won was gone. So I just said, I've had enough. I think it's boring. I don't. I just. You know, a compulsive gambler would say you're sick. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they would. Right. What like an idiot. We, she just should have kept playing. Right, like when we talk about drugs and alcohol and stuff, sometimes I look at her and say, what's wrong with you? You know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, know. I don't you know, understand. I, I that, you can no, only understand if you have home, the disease. When my daughter came home at age 15 drunk, and I dragged her to an AA meeting around the corner from where I lived, I was very ticked off, and I was in recovery probably seven or eight years at the time, mm-hmm. and I said to myself, what the hell is she doing? It's ridiculous. Right. So I lost sight of the addiction piece. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's really what it's all about. What That's all we've been talking about is the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated with, with different types of addiction than... And why, I mean, why does one type afflict somebody rather than the other? Right. It's, I, mean, I guess it's you, just opportunity. Like you path? said, it's a... It's opportunity, we but we really don't. Married, my mother-in-law would tell my wife, "Just tell him to stop." Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. that easy. Just say course, no. I think Nancy know, Reagan said that too, sure right? Lots of people told you that. Yeah, Nancy Reagan and said that too. Yeah, just say no. I, I would cut back every once in a while. Instead of betting hundreds, I'd go to the racetrack and bet two dollars a race, and yeah. then a week later, I'm betting a hundred again. Yeah, and yeah. That, I think that's just like the drinking too. Oh well, switch to beer. Exactly. Well, we only have like two minutes left, Arnie, so I really want to go back over how someone can get in touch with you, how they can find your book, how someone can get in touch with you. And I know that you said if they dial uh, 1-888-LAST-BET, they'll be able to um, get in touch with you that way. And also... I'll be happy uh, to give you my cell phone number. They can call direct 954-501-5270. That's 954-501. 501-5270 to reach my cell. Okay, I'm going to put that in my phone too. So if you get a if you get a call from Port St. Lucie, it's me. Because what I need to do is okay. I need to get you back on the show again soon. We didn't really, I mean, we covered a whole heck of a lot. But the questions um, were incredible. Yeah, I know, and 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 you're an incredible guest, and Thank we don't, you, so you know, we don't have enough time in an hour to go over everything that uh, that I would would have liked to. So um, I love your Massachusetts accent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't you love mine? All right, honey, give you give your wife a big hug when you get back to the hospital. 
Yes, please give her Thank our you. regards. Ellen? Give me with a miracles? call anytime you want to get me on. I'll be happy to come on with you. And I'll okay. be in Florida right. in two weeks, hopefully, if my wife is okay. Okay, I'll give you a call, honey. With Miracles okay. in Recovery, hope is in your corner. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.